welcome to the show. This is my show. Thanks for tuning in. Here it comes again. Thank you. Here it comes. Man, finally. I've been trying to record this episode for a couple of weeks now, but I've uh, still been adding stuff to it almost every day in my little notes app, so I guess it's all good. Well, my voice sounds a little bit like Garbo today because um, I am dealing with some sort of respiratory infection, I guess. I had something very similar a few months ago, and now I have it again, and I can't stop coughing and expelling phlegm. But at least I have this nice, deep voice I can play with every now and then, you know what I'm saying? Take advantage of them low tones. (coughs) Well, let's get started. This episode is as basic as the title says it is. And I'll probably just make this a reoccurring theme uh, of thoughts and opinions. You know, as... The title says, some of these are my thoughts, and some of these are my opinions, which are all fairly agnostic with respect to new information and the consideration of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. I originally wanted to go over some youth and younger generation worries, but I don't think I have that segment ready just yet, but um, maybe a brief look into it. Basically, I was trying to consider my own youth and uh, growing into the 37-year-old boy that I am today, and I mean, not everyone is as dumb and as late-blooming as myself, but I don't feel like I really started paying attention to consequences of my actions and overall intent of well-being for myself and others until I was well into my 30s, which sounds insane. But, I mean, I don't know how common that is or if that's just ridiculous and I'm, uh, I have some sort of mental handicap in uh, my brain. But if, if that is common and we really aren't fully capable of making sound decisions until we are at least 30 years old. Think about all of the uh, late teens and early 20-year-olds that are rising up and making um, or putting everything on display as inappropriate or appropriate or whatever they label it as and with whatever goal they have. Maybe there's positive intent, but you know, it's just, there's a lot of finger pointing and crying and screaming and it's, it's a little chaotic right now. So considering that generation being the next line of human race makes me feel a little bit weird, I guess. Well, I guess I can go ahead and do this segment. I'll just leave out a couple of things that I'm not really married to yet um that was really the general 
thought that I had was considering uh, how the younger generation, the next generation, is trying to change a social structure, a giant social structure that has been around for a very long time to where it, it leaves no one out. No one is left behind or picked on or anything, which sounds beautiful. That would be a wonderful place, but that's not reality. And it's it, it causes a little bit more chaos in a different way. Um, it's uh, I feel like there's a lot of crying wolf uh, going on out there too, and that's that can be confusing. It also leads to public shaming and doxing and uh, you know potential violence. So um, you know I don't think anyone deserves to feel special all the time from every other person. That's not reality. I think a lot of the overprotected youth are, they might not be equipped with the calluses needed for reality. It's like putting padded walls everywhere and uh, bowling with bumpers and riding bikes with permanent training wheels or something. Some of the strongest and most resilient people came from rough upbringings and bullied childhoods. I'm certainly not saying that it's necessary or the best path for everyone. I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out that some of the things being yelled about in the media today seem so hypersensitive and overreactive when compared to uh, the youth of previous generations who survive with some thicker skin and more resilience. I don't know. Re regardless, it's not the mentality of someone seeking growth and expansion. It's more of a mentality of protect and hide. Life is not fair. It's not. I mean, that's the bottom line and pretty much the absolute truth of this reality that we are living in right now. If you wake up in the morning and expect to have a full, fair day every day, you will very likely be met with much disappointment. People can have wonderful lives, but there is no life without struggle. I have yet to meet that person or hear of that person. We can't all win first place. You know, instead of trying to uh, restructure a giant structure... <laughs> Sometimes it's, actually most times, you can adapt to your surroundings better and faster than you can make your surroundings adapt to you. Does that make sense? Oh, it doesn't? Okay, well then, I'm sorry. Uh, no. I think that we can't change everyone, but if we put things in other people's perspectives and what other people have going on in their lives that, you know, we don't always take into consideration you know, dang, I got inconvenienced, but you know, someone else, their fucking leg fell off. You know, you don't know that They're, they don't have a leg. So you're trying to make them feel like shit because they made you late for dinner and you didn't realize that they're going through whatever they're going through because they don't have a leg and that was out of their control. But you're upset because something happened to you that's out of your control, but it's super small in comparison to what they've gone through. 
And just don't be a fucking asshole to people, you know? Everybody has their own story, their own shit they're going through. And, um, you know, there there are too many people on this planet, and it's it gets harder by the day to get everyone on the same page with social standards. So, um, you know, we're, it's, this is an experiment and we're, we're trying, we're, we're all here trying to learn together and evolve together at the same time. And what also makes it hard is everyone having to be on a team where, you know, blue or red or, or whatever, everybody's so adamant about being in one party or the other and voting for one dingus to rule them all. Which reminds me, let's let's get out of this uh, tall grass here and get into this other tall grass. A couple of podcasts ago with my buddy Bentley, uh, he asked me if I was going to vote in the next election and made a comment about me not being able to complain if my preferred candidate didn't win or the policies I wanted aren't being put into play because I didn't actually vote. Well, I understand that outlook. But do we actually have 100% proof that there is zero corruption in our voting system? That there's, there's no flaws? That every single vote counts? 100% counts? If we do, and I've missed that link, uh, you can send that to me, please. I'm dumb, but with today's technology, I think it it should almost be observed live somehow like a a constant tally and record being updated every few minutes or whatever and you could log in and somehow see your vote go in or I don't know that maybe that's just really dumb but I think there should be a better way to show the public some transparency in the voting system and that they are contributing to uh, the outcome you know, the same could be said about taxes. It would be awesome to see uh, the taxpayers' funds and, uh, you know, how everything is being allocated and where it is being utilized and um, just having some sort of feeling like you're really part of the team, you know, just not throwing your money in this giant pot that you don't even see where all of it goes, but you see a bunch of crap around you that, you know, is not getting fixed or, it doesn't look like it's up to par, but you see something else happening that looks like a complete waste of money. You know, it would. I think it would give everybody a, a good peace of mind uh, to see their contributions and, and how it is affecting our community. Um, maybe that's just uh, all hopes and dreams, but back to voting. So what happens when no candidates meet the preferred criteria? What about voting for an outlier when everyone is like, the voting third party is essentially just giving a vote to the other guy. Well, why the fuck would I want to vote then? If you're saying that a vote is not actually going to matter because of this and there's some sort of curve and I don't know. I don't know how it all works, but it it doesn't sound as straightforward as I feel like it really should be. But in the end, it's silly to think that one person can better influence and control an entire country of some, uh, what is it, 320 million people anyway. I know they don't run everything, but the president is, uh, you know, a fairly big deal. And I think more candidates should have a better chance without having to 
have uh, $30 billion uh, contributed to their candidacy or just not giving them the proper platform or even remotely fair platform. It's just, it's weird to think that we give one person so much power. Um, I know, like I said, I know they're not the only person making decisions, but still it seems seems like a lot of pressure for one person. Maybe we should just have a team, a presidential team. We will call them the presidents of the United States of America. (laughs) Oh, I'm done with this. Okay. Regarding work and construction, I wish architects and engineers would better establish things with at least two entities before letting a project truly begin. One would be the city inspector to make sure all methods of construction are agreed upon in writing. I know city officials review plans, but I think there are still several issues later that aren't seen eye to eye with uh, with the builder and the city inspector. And I'm, I'm not sure where the fault mostly lies in those cases, but it still seems as though there can be some improvement beforehand. For example, making sure the uh, plumber on the job is following the same year plumbing code that the city is following. The 2015 code is still being followed by some cities while others are following the 2018 code book. If you don't ask about that, you probably don't know about it until the inspector says, hey, that's not up to code and then you get your code book out and he gets his code book out and they're different years and uh well uh yeah just get it straight beforehand another more detailed example would be uh piping to kitchen fixtures which fixtures go to the grease trap and which are to go to the sanitary sewer because this varies on job to job. I'm sorry if this is a little boring for some of you, but for the ones this actually applies to, I hope you are listening. The second entity that I would like architects and engineers to get with uh, and coordinate with beforehand more thoroughly would be the ADA authority for the area, the American Disability Act. This would ensure that specific dimensions and details are made aware for the general contractor and subcontractors who a lot of times simply and literally install quote unquote per plan without second guessing the qualified design team because our job is not to redesign, right? The company I work for tries to catch potential issues ahead of time, but some of that time could surely be saved by the design team paying closer attention to detail and trying to work with local authorities more thoroughly to ensure everything is built according to their standards from the start. Actually, a third entity uh, to better coordinate with would be the occupant. It's not uncommon to have the occupant come in at the end of the job and want to change things that aren't easily changed once they're done a certain way. They can't always coordinate with the Uh, occupant before the project begins. I know that. But any occupant or occupants that will later have authority to change something should definitely start reviewing plans and speaking with someone in the uh, building process in the earliest 
stages possible to make sure it's uh, done to your liking if you have that authority later. Things will still certainly get changed or messed up later, but many more things could be mitigated. Quality control is lacking as well in the design department. That's what I've observed in how easy it is to draw these drawings now with the sophisticated programs that are out there. Instead of having to hand draw it like people used to, you simply click on and off your layers and draw straight lines and circles and put this there and ask your computer what this means from here to here and how I mean, it's it's I know it's stressful and a headache for sure and there's tons of stuff to consider but it's easier to do and I've, I've just seen really lazy drawings uh, on the last few jobs it, something as simple as not turning off layers in the CAD program before rendering you know the job I'm currently doing right now they have a couple of toilets drawn on the roof uh, that is obviously not intentional, but it's there uh, for everyone to see. You know, mistakes will be made, and like I said, things will be changed and messed up, but um, so many things could probably be easily avoided with a little bit of extra attention uh, beforehand. Another quality control issue and construction leads me to construction zones in high traffic areas. One thing that I've experienced recently is a mile of the highway that I frequent has road work ahead signs and uh, a speed limit that's 10 miles lower uh, that's listed for the construction zone and the threat of inflated tickets because it's a work zone. The thing is, is there is no sort of work being done, no workers present, no machinery present, no cones, no torn up roads or freshly touched soil or anything for well over three months now. I have a feeling if I got pulled over in that area and I was going the normal speed limit, I would probably get that inflated ticket. I'm wondering if it's a speed trap or some sort of really shitty operation with the city, but hopefully not. Um, maybe there's some sort of financial issue where they can't get started. Either way, get the damn signs down. You have people slowing down for no reason. You have people looking around and seeing no construction and going the normal speed limit. And it just causes a mess. And it's kind of dumb. Pick up the signs. Or get to fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> There's another place close to my house that I drive by every now and then, and the left turn lane has been coned off for several months now, and I've seen workers present and actual work being done maybe two weeks out of the last several months. That is ridiculous. I don't understand why projects work like that on city roads that causes traffic and it has to cause more accidents. It's absurd and dangerous, especially in this particular area. There's no warning signs. It's just, you just get the cones. Um, I, I haven't missed it every single time. There, There's not a sign there. It's just cones 
You just have to look uh, way ahead and see that there's cones there and get over at the last minute because the lane is cut off within, I don't know, 30 feet or something. It's not, uh, it's not a gradual lane enclosure. You know, just get it together, guys. In the workplace, let's just say there are two people who feel like one likes to mess with the other and tries to outsmart the other in almost every conversation. That might not actually be the case. It might happen every now and then, but it's probably just a heightened sense that they're subconsciously expecting to have some sort of confrontation for whatever reason. It sort of puts you in a trigger mode of some sort instead of approaching a conversation completely neutral. The more you expect something or someone to be a certain way, you might unintentionally interpret it as such without a shred of realization. That's just a specific mind space you don't want to be in professionally. We need to have open minds and be more receptive and uh, willing to learn from one another, no matter what position you're in. I'm a master plumber. I've learned many things from an apprentice or even a temporary worker. Everyone has ideas, though not all of them are amazing, but it also could be something to spark a better idea from you. But that's not going to happen if you don't listen. Speaking of being professional and work, I don't know what typical work weeks were like in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, but it seems like people are getting burnt out quicker and could surely benefit from shorter work days or more days off or something where it doesn't feel like you're working 80 to 90% of your time. Especially when you think about people working their ass off for 30 years or more just to reach retirement then get killed on the highway from someone playing on their phone or being drunk or whatever. I know that's a little extreme and probably not all that common of a case, but I'm sure you understand what I'm getting at. I mean, you work, you work, you work, you work, and you work, and aren't even able to reap the benefits until you are too old to thoroughly enjoy those benefits, right? You'll likely have a good amount of medical bills to pay at that point for yourself or your loved ones too. I know I will. My back and my knees are trashed right now. So I'm just mentally preparing for some surgery and healing setbacks and whatever in my future. Sucks, but I guess that's part of life. Two little tidbits in that segment to pull from our cell phones and medical bills. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's start with medical bills and insurance. Our healthcare system seems to not be so ideal compared to other countries' healthcare systems. We pay a huge amount of money to the medical industry as well as the insurance industry. You would rarely see any type of favor or discount with uh, a medical facility or a specialist of some sort, but that's where insurance comes in to save you, right? Well, certainly not in my case and many others, I'm sure. I don't have a fraction of the medical bills that some people I know are dealing with right now, you know, with uh, cancer and other diseases that pretty much consume you for the rest of your life. But the little I've experienced and see others experience really makes me question the logic and continual adoption of this system. 
I pay a hefty fee every month to have insurance for myself. It feels nice to go into a doctor's office and only have to pay for the smaller copay or only owing a certain amount of money before you leave. But what doesn't feel nice is the bill you receive in the mail one to three months after the fact that says, Dear so-and-so, your insurance only covered such-and-such dollar amount. Now you owe such-and-such dollar amount. Sorry. For example, I have three bulging discs in my lower back, which I found out about um, over a year ago. And after finally getting the MRI done, uh, I was dreading the bill to come in the mail because I didn't pay anything at the facility. I think it was two or three months later that I finally got the bill. I had to pay out of pocket. $1,600 after the insurance company only contributed $110. I don't recall what uh, my deductible is. I I don't think I've actually met that, uh, but once in my life uh, where I can maybe get a benefit somehow, but since insurance is always rising, I seem to always be involved in the switching of insurance companies. So there's always new deductibles to be met and... um, I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking about this all wrong and I'm I, I'm very misinformed, but I'm pretty sure this is just a shit system. The insurance company contributing $110 for my MRI bill is pretty much what I pay a week for insurance, so that's a little bit insane when you think of it that way. My first thought is why the fuck do I even have insurance? All of those weekly payments that I have sent out could be in my own medical savings account that I have set aside for medical bills. If I tabbed up all of the money that I have given to insurance companies in the last 19 years of full-time employment, I would probably be in pretty good financial shape. Uh, Unless, you know, my arm got cut off or I spent all my money on bullshit, which is pretty possible in my 20s, even today. Uh, Regardless, it seems like things could be done differently and more efficiently, but I don't have the answers. Maybe one day I will, but that's not today. Uh, the second thing I was mentioning to take away from that previous segment was cell phones. So I've already talked about that before, but I'm probably never going to stop. Uh, the abundance of cell phone usage is everywhere. We know this. What I want to address here is we tend to assume, I I do sometimes, and then I have to kind of slap myself, but we tend to assume that when we see someone on their phone, they're just playing games. They're just texting a friend, sharing memes on social media. They're they're doing something silly. But we don't think about the giant amount of people that use their phones for work, for paying bills, keeping up with calendars, checking to-do lists, Uh, maybe they're talking with a family member that's with another family member in the hospital or something. We just, we don't know, but we see them and they're just playing around, right? They're just goofing around, wasting time. With the larger amount of people using their phones as they would a laptop, I think we should keep that in mind when we see others out and about and not judge them because they're glued to their phone. Unless you see that they are on Facebook the entire time, maybe they're working on a book. Maybe they're a comedian or a, an astrophysicist. I don't know. You don't know either. 
Stop judging people. I'm not defending the abundant use of cell phones, and it does look kind of zombie-ish seeing it everywhere, but I'm just throwing out there, don't always assume that someone is just playing around or wasting time or neglecting the person they're with. I mean, for example, I'm getting married later this month, and sometimes when we go out to dinner, we talk about uh, wedding stuff or, or looking at pictures of things that we need to get for the wedding or whatever, and we have cell phones to look at. So she might have an idea and she might be looking for it on her phone really quick. That makes me have an idea and I look for it on my phone while the table next to us looks at us and thinks, wow, these people can't stay off their freaking phones. How sad. But what's the difference between doing that and having a laptop? And we're looking at the laptop. It looks more business at that point, right? It's... uh we have to see things a little differently. It's, it's, this is part of our technological evolution or de-evolution, however you want to look at it. We still can't seem to get off the damn things in front of an intersection that we're waiting for, and then everyone's waiting on you because you're looking at whatever you're looking at. Wish I sure wish you would stop. I thought just today at an intersection, I, I looked over and there were two people looking down at their phones at, as we're sitting at a red light. And I thought, I wonder how many people around me are actually not looking at the light. And I thought, what if I honked my horn? I wonder how many people around me would like let off the brake and almost go just because they weren't paying attention and they thought they screwed up and missed the light. Think about that. Next time you're at an intersection, think about how many people would be startled by a horn honk, a tiny one, just because they're trying to multitask and trying to be somewhere else other than where they actually are, which is on the fucking road. Another thing I'm seeing in intersections that I've just recently noticed and I've been guilty and still am guilty, but let me just throw this out there. When you stop at a red light, notice how close everyone pulls to the car in front of them. Notice how close you do it. As soon as the light is green, everyone lets off the brake expecting to go, but that's not going to happen when you're a foot away from the person in front of you. You need to leave space in between one another, then you could actually take your foot off the brake as soon as the light turns green and everyone could go at the same time. Just think about that. That stop-and-go bullshit that we deal with constantly, that's because of people getting too close and not paying attention, but getting too close and having to brake immediately. They have to brake immediately, and then other people behind are going to brake immediately, and it's just a chain reaction of garbage. Stop. We have to retrain ourselves. Like I said, I'm still guilty of this. I don't even pay attention to it. But when I do pay attention to it, I feel like a dumbass, and I see all the other dumbasses around me, Let's uh, let's make some progress. You know, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now, I witnessed a woman in a red minivan going about 10 miles under the speed limit on a 40-mile-an-hour road when I got next to her. As she was moving, she had both hands on her phone and was driving with her knees. I know some of you might be impressed or saying, Hell, I do that too. I'm totally in control. Well... I've done that too. I was totally in control. But um, you're also looking down at a phone 
while you're doing it. And in this particular case, the woman had an infant in the back seat and was barely looking at the road. So how do you feel about it now? I, I can say it a million times. We're, we all make mistakes. We all get caught up in the moment. And everything we're dealing with is more important than what the other person's dealing with. But we can't continue to be that way. This minivan was not an autonomous vehicle. She was definitely piloting this machine, which is fucking scary. Pull over to do what you need to do for everyone's safety or just do it later. Also, something I saw a couple of weeks ago was a person in front of me hitting their brakes because they were speeding and saw a cop uh, on the side of the road, obviously radaring, radaring. Um, so this person slowed down and followed the, the law, followed the rules, and another quarter mile down the road, they ran through a red light. Just not, not a yellow turning into a red. They just went through a red light. It was red for as far as I can see it, and they just went straight through it. That, that They saw the cop and knew how to slow down, but they didn't know how to stop at a red light? What is happening on our roads right now? Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, something else I observed recently was, uh, and, and wanted to mention, is seeing religious quotes on the walls of businesses, like Bible verses in a gym or a restaurant. It, it's kind of weird because it's almost like someone else who is maybe is not a Christian and they put on their wall, climate change is real <laughs> or the earth is flat or something about Scientology or something. I don't know. I don't have a problem with people flaunting your faith and saying, you know, your, your strength is through God or something similar. That's, that is perfectly fine. I just probably wouldn't try to advertise to just a specific audience or uh, maybe they're just trying to convert everyone. I don't know. I, I feel like trying to recruit people to believe what you believe is no different with religion as it is to everyday occurrences with people like like at work trying to trying to convince a coworker that you're right just because you think that you are and you don't want to be wrong. I've experienced uh, pressure from my parents about specific beliefs and religion, but I don't know if it's because they think uh, I could be a, a poor reflection of how they raised me or am not a great representation of them or if it's genuine worry that I believe in the wrong things and that my heart is not in the right place and I would be endangering myself and others around me. It it seems a little cold, to be honest. Um, you know, everybody's all-knowing, infallible, yet unprovable creator is the best. Uh, I'm not trying to take jabs. Uh, I, I'm not at all sorry that my true happiness and positive outlook on life has been purely a result of my own mindfulness and self-awareness. I don't need an ancient book altered by man to scare me into a morally sound existence. Not to say that others don't need that or don't benefit from it. Not to say that I would not benefit from it or maybe even need it and don't realize it. But this is where I am right now. And I'm just speaking for myself. In that same vein of uh, religion and judgment, i often find it funny how some religious people tell non-religious people to be more open-minded while not realizing that their own advice could be pushed back at them just the same and maybe even more accurate. Uh, they live their lives by one book 
how is that any more open-minded than a non-believer who reads many books in their life and takes in the philosophies and principles from many people who have lived a variety of lives? If the argument then is, well, you shouldn't be learning from man, you should be learning from the book and God. Um, well, God made those people, right? What's to say those people aren't being used as a conduit from God to speak to the non-believer and keep them in line, however. People who follow no religion can be just as good, if not better, in their overall existence than the intensely religious being who is most likely motivated by fear and uh, reward. Um, I personally am not morally motivated by such things. I treat others as I would prefer to be treated and try to understand different perspectives just as I would hope others would understand mine or try to understand mine. As far as I know at this point, there's nothing certain when it comes to any religion. Uh, if there is, you can certainly share it with me. But it's not going to be a, an article on the internet. <laughs> there's going to be something tangible. Um, but that's, that's just where I am currently in my head. I mean, no offense to anyone. I'm not trying to judge anyone. I'm merely offering my perspective my opinions, my thoughts, my beliefs. I am a simple human. Taking it back to earlier um, with driving while distracted, let's go ahead and discuss driving while intoxicated. I've had my fair share of drunken nights on the way home after a long night, but I would never brag about driving myself home. I've seen and known people who brag about being able to keep their composure and drive perfectly fine while being drunk or heavily buzzed, but I just don't see how anyone with a shred of intelligence could brag about something so irresponsible. I could totally have a, a shitty hand dealt my way in my later years and could fall into some sort of alcoholic bender and, you know, run into a parked car or run off the road and break my arm or something, but, uh, you know, then I'd be a hypocrite. But, um, like I've already said, we, we all make mistakes. I, I just, I wouldn't be bragging about such a thing. Um, the thing is, is you might actually be a remarkable driver while intoxicated and have no issues staying between the lines or staying under the speed limit or fully stopping at signs or using turn signals. But, the same can be said about cell phones because of how much of a distraction those are when you're supposed to be paying attention to your surroundings. Regardless, we're talking about alcohol. Not that there's much more to say. I I just don't understand people being a braggart about it. To me, it's actually embarrassing, very embarrassing, to think about the times where I don't fully remember how I got home or remember any specific moment about my drive home. Being high while driving is surely not good for you either. Uh, it can certainly muddy your senses, but it could also offer more focus. Um, definitely not saying to drive high. I'm just I'm comparing the two because it also offers paranoia, which could be pretty unsafe. Um, might cause some erratic responses. Uh, but, you know, weed and alcohol simply don't commonly produce the same effects on people. I think both of those things affect me much more differently now than they did 10 years ago or really even five years ago. 
our bodies and minds are always changing and adapting and evolving, so it's hard to generalize too terribly much. Regardless of all that, I still find it ridiculous that we haven't legalized marijuana <laughs> in Texas. But, you know, we passed some sort of thing about beer to go, so wow. I've noticed myself at random moments where someone I know or am acquainted with will get a really good hand or a really awesome opportunity or whatever, and I notice a hesitation of excitement for that person sometimes. I don't think of them failing or being unsuccessful or, you know, man, I wish that was me instead of them. It's just, it's kind of a, it just kind of shines a light on your own accomplishments and setbacks to where you, you can't help but to compare. That's the kind of stuff that you would generally want to filter into a bit of motivation to be better and try to create more opportunities for yourself. Since I'm much more mindful about my reactions to things, I notice them uh, more often and they can be unfavorable at first, but realizing there's no logic in that unfavorable reaction, um, it puts me back into a neutral position to better reflect. I think that's one of our biggest problems today in communicating with each other is we're just so quick to react and respond without truly thinking before doing. I just finished reading a book a couple of weeks ago that took way longer than it should have because I was, uh, I was just wasn't making time for it. It's called wherever you are, there you are by, I don't know how to pronounce the name, John Kabat-Zinn, Kabat-Zinn. It's Kabat-Zinn. I remember reading one little section towards the end that mentioned a side effect or a hurdle to face once you've become more mindful and have started to share your experience with other people. It basically said something along the lines of getting tripped up with coaching others and talking about mindfulness so much that you actually neglect your own mindfulness. I need to look that back up. Anyway, I found myself experiencing that a couple of times already. I really enjoy trying to help others and share the experiences that I've had and feel like could make a big improvement on someone else's mental health, just how it has mine. Um, but I just have to make sure I'm not trying to sound like a guru or anything other than what I really am, which is just a normal dude trying to understand stuff. Let's try to understand cancel culture. <laughs> cancel culture is real. I think I understand one reason why. Personally, I want to be the one to waste my time versus having someone else be responsible for it. Does that make sense? Have you ever thought about it that way? It's I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing to consider if some something is going to be a waste of time every time you're asked to do something or be somewhere, you know. I think it's a shitty reflex, but it does make sense when you have to heavily consider the already limited time you have. I mean, that's that's what my situation is. I feel like I don't have enough time for stuff, so when I'm asked to do something or be somewhere, it, I immediately feel put out, and I, I don't always react that way, but it's like a, it's just like a weird reflex that I can't shake. Yeah, if you do that, uh, welcome, that sucks. <laughs> Why do we feel the need to have to portray and post things on social media that are more perfect than our actual reality. Like selfies that aren't a true selfie because your face is 
edited or uh, you have to pose yourself in a specific way so you look skinnier. Just lose some weight, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I've got a, a an eyeball that kind of sags down on one side more than the other. I, I wish I could fix that. That kind of sucks, but, you know, I can't exercise that. I can't really do that. Um, but if it's something that you can change, let's let's change it. Don't be scared. It's okay. Um, I don't know why I said that. I just I just did. Uh, it feels very good to vent your issues to people, but you have to keep in mind that the recipient doesn't always feel that same goodness when you uh, unexpectedly unload a hundred pounds of shit in their lap. There are some people out there that it doesn't bother whatsoever and are more than happy to help others by just lending an ear or uh, you know a shoulder to lean on or whatever. Uh, just to be clear, in this segment, I'm mostly referring to this being done through text. If you're having a conversation with someone, they can hear the inflections in your voice and better assess your uh, emotional struggles. Text is obviously different. This is a little little bit hard to explain, but I guess what I'm trying to get out here is based off of something that happened to me while typing out a bunch of crap about work in a text message to my fiance. I typed it all out and then had to change something and then change something else. Once I realized that it made sense and I had actually given myself a few minutes to calm down in the process, I no longer felt the need to send the message. So once I came to that realization, I considered what sort of benefit I would get by regurgitating my stress and frustrations to someone that doesn't even have the experience in that same situation I'm dealing with. And I could potentially be negatively contributing to her attitude and day uh, just by causing her to feel empathy for me. That's not really fair. Um, I know this totally sounds confusing and I'm probably not wording things right, but and I'm certainly not encouraging anyone to refrain from venting or sharing your problems. We, we, we really do need to do that. I guess I'm trying to emphasize the consideration of another person and their ability or inability to keep their composure and understanding of your situation. Uh, simply writing something out and getting it out of your head could possibly be as therapeutic in itself without even involving someone else. So maybe that's what I'm getting at is... If you're frustrated about something or upset about something, write it down or text it out or whatever as though you're going to send it to somebody to vent and see if you get some sort of relief in just doing that. Um, you could still send it later or maybe read it again later once you're more calm and you'll honestly, you'll probably change a lot of stuff in there if not all of it because uh, I've definitely had that happen to me before. I mean, definitely vent, you know, talk with somebody. I, I guess that's really what I'm getting at is, you know, consider the person that you're about to unload on. Make sure that they're receptive and okay with what's about to happen. Uh, but do it with your voice or face-to-face. -face. Don't do it through text. Text is just, especially if you're in a, in a tough situation or you're emotional or anything where you could easily get frustrated or react uh, unfavorably go ahead and not do it through text because it's just so easily misunderstood. It's, it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. What about entitlement on the road? I simply do not understand the lack of consideration and absolute disregard 
for everyone else on the road when someone realizes at the last minute that they needed to be three lanes over to make this turn. I don't understand how hard it is for some people to just drive an extra 30 seconds to a minute further down the road, make a U-turn. Man, you might have lost five minutes. Five minutes could be a, a serious issue if it's an emergency or, you know, hey, if you're late to work tomorrow, it's your last day kind of a thing. But still, that extra five minutes, what if you try to get over those three lanes and you sideswipe somebody and ran them off the road and their car flipped and they got decapitated? Hmm. Five minutes or decapitation. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Think about things from someone else's perspective. If you were driving on the road and some jackass stopped in the middle of the road because they weren't paying attention and didn't get over in time, and you had a slam on your brakes, and let's say you've got some shit in your front seat, and now it is all over the dashboard and all over the floorboard and, you know, whatever. Maybe something's broken or something now. Uh, that'd probably piss you off, right? So make sure you don't do that to someone else later. That would be a hypocritical hypocrisy. What if we do actually reach some sort of human-based artificial intelligence to interact with like we do with Siri at the moment? Do you get super frustrated with Siri or uh, any of the other voice activated assistants like frustrated enough that you curse at it and say incredibly mean things to it. Have you ever thought about how fucking crazy that is? <laughs> I was randomly thinking about people from Apple listening to everyone's Siri commands and evaluating uh, how maybe to make things more intuitive or compatible with people's common needs. And then I thought about how they would probably hear all of the random commands that get recorded where someone is super frustrated and says something like, Jesus, what is happening right now? How are you so fucking dumb? Listen to what I'm saying. Uh, be smarter. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it it's also kind of sad and sheds some light on how easily you can lose control of yourself. Sure, you can control it in front of other actual people, but what's the real benefit of reacting so aggressively? Is it because there's no one there to judge you and it strangely feels good? And sometimes in the moment, it actually feels good when someone is there and you can show out to them a little bit. If that doesn't sound remotely familiar or even understandable to you, consider yourself extremely lucky to not have such a curse. I've suffered from that pretty much my whole adult life. Only in recent years have I been able to actually recognize it and manage it. I certainly still have my moments of disconnect, but those times are still extinguished much quicker than they would have been just a few years ago, especially 10 years ago. That type of rage and anger can certainly be filtered if you mentally prepare yourself for it. But sometimes that filter is fucking dirty and the anger finds a way around it. And you just have to be able to catch it and decompress it. I certainly don't want to sound like I need sympathy or that very angry people are just misunderstood. I'm just trying to focus on how my reactions might appear from an outsider's view and how I would feel if I saw someone else reacting in such a way. Uh, back to what I was saying about human level 
AI, if you find yourself blowing up at your phone or other technology and say things that you would very likely never say to a person face-to-face, just realize that you do that and that maybe you need some sort of self-intervention. In relation, the other day was a very hectic day at work and I was still trying to ease my mind into a more neutral state uh, a couple of hours after I was off. You know, sometimes you just have to step up to the plate even when you don't really want to play anymore. That was the other day for me. But it's not that I didn't want to play anymore. I just didn't feel like taking on more responsibility than I was already preparing myself for. But shit happens. And that shit happened. And uh, that shit is not going to clean itself up. So make with the shovel and start digging, you know. I I believe I've always had some sort of subconscious motivation to push myself and take on things that I don't necessarily want to take on. But it's usually triggered somehow and not 100% self-made, if that makes any sense. I kind of feel that way about a lot of different things in my life, actually. I can come up with things on my own, surely, but uh, most of the time in artistic mediums, I, tr- I tend to create more quickly uh, by some sort of exterior catalyst. For example, uh, a random riff that someone would play on guitar, it, it, it could seem so simple to them, yet nothing I would have ever thought of myself. And I, I, But I would still have uh, immediately have a melody or vocal line to add to it. When I'm the one writing the riff, at times it seems it actually seems harder for me to come up with that melody or vocal line. I don't know why that is. I I guess, I guess I could say that about work sometimes too, which actually uh, would kind of be like the other day where I wasn't super motivated to bust my ass because of the shitty day I had the day before and find out the next day was even shittier. Uh, I definitely wasn't happy about it, but something just turned on in my head and told me that I needed to steer the plane and reach our destination, which was getting the job done and getting the fuck out of there. It's crazy to think how differently I would have handled that day's events uh, had they been 10 years ago. There would have been so much anger and resentment and blame and just a severe, this isn't fair attitude. And I'd be completely oblivious to how much extra stress and unhappiness I was bringing myself. I mean, I was definitely angry the other day and wanted to push it off on everyone else, but that's not going to get the job done, and I would possibly appear to be bad at my job. You know, I kind of, in that that weird motivation, mental motivation there, I kind of don't even mean my actual paying job. It's more like my purpose and place at the this moment in time. Like I'm here to maintain the sector, which might suck ass sometimes, but I don't want to half-ass something just because I don't think it's fair. I don't know. I, I can't actually say if I truly believe or disbelieve in a kind of balance of good times and bad times and even karma, I guess you could say, which I, I mean, I, I still I seem to live that way, I guess, but I don't know that I truly fully believe that. Um, I, just, I just try to be a good person and, and adapt to my surroundings, but without denying my true self. This is just where I am in my timeline right now. And, you know, perhaps there will be some sort of shift 
down the line and I'll still be doing this podcast, but maybe living a completely different life. Hmm. I guess maybe we'll find out one day. I'll just leave you with that. Uh, whatever that was. I, I don't remember anything I said. I hope some of it made sense. Rusty's Escape Pod. Let me know. Thanks for listening, and please don't be a garbage human.